Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Getting deeper inside as we speak every week. Ladies and gentlemen, remember the uh, Boeing 737 MAX? Everything's MAX or plus, including MAX plus. He's, no. Um, That airplane had a couple of major crashes a few years ago. Um, I'm hoping, I didn't see a story about it, I'm hoping, assuming, with some hope, that uh, Boeing either agreed to or was forced to uh, pay some compensatory damages to the relatives of those who died in those two crashes. 346 people in all. The uh, planes in Indonesia and Ethiopia, oh well, had been in service for just a few months when they went down. As I say, I don't know if they were... uh, either agreed to or forced to pay compensation to the relatives of those late passengers. But this week, they have agreed, Boeing has agreed to pay $200 million to settle charges that misled investors over the safety of those planes. This according to the Securities and Exchange Commission. The model came, after, came under intense criticism, you may recall, for years after those crashes. It um, it uh, resulted in the departure of Boeing's former CEO, Dennis Muhlenberg, who himself is going to pay a million dollars to settle those charges of misleading investors. They can get him on that. He was ousted nine months after the second of the two crashes. According to the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, Boeing negligently violated the anti-fraud provisions of U.S. securities laws. We're getting more familiar with anti-fraud laws after this week, I think. The uh, SEC said Boeing and its former leader made misleading statements about the safety of the planes involved in the 2018 and 2019 crashes. Boeing and Muhlenberg, said the SEC, put profits over people by misleading investors about the safety of the uh, 737 MAX, all in an effort to rehabilitate Boeing's image after the crashes. Well, you know, if you're one of only two companies making commercial aircrafts, your image is important. The company on the other hand, said it had made broad and deep changes since the two accidents. took two accidents to get those changes happening to improve the safety and quality of its models. So uh, let's all get on board, shall we? Hello, welcome to the show.
Okay, and strap in. Hello from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer saying happy autumn, everybody, and welcome to the show. And now, start off our autumn right here. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. Well, it is a, a world full of atoms, isn't it? Now, um, I have discussed on this program repeatedly and at some length the question that seems to be always left off the talking points when people are discussing nuclear as a source of electric power going forward in our lovely future, and that is, what do you do with the waste? What are you doing with the waste? Where's the waste going? Hundreds of thousands of years it's going to last and be radioactive. Where, where's it going to be? Well, for a while, the answer was Yucca Mountain in Nevada, until Nevada said, uh-uh, and uh-uh, and, you know, you know the rest. So this week, Nevada has asked the govern the federal government to resume the licensing process that will allow state officials to continue their decades-long fight to finally kill the nuclear waste repository at Yucca Mountain. This uh, motion was filed with the uh, NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, would allow the state to argue against the licensing ac- application for the process for the project, calling it an un founded, unfunded, zombie-like federal project that has loomed over Nevada citizens and economy for 35 years. This is a fight that Nevada has battled since 1987, said the governor. Steve Sisolak, the past three presidential administrations have agreed the Yucca Mountain is unworkable. It's time for this administration and the Department of Energy to follow through and support the case made by Nevada's leaders, legislators, and legal team. The Attorney General said he'd work to protect the state. My office will fight with every legal option at our disposal to ensure that Nevada does not become the dumping site for this country's nuclear waste. Sort of a negative attitude, isn't it? I'm sure there are other places that won't feel that way. They're lightning... Well, they're putting in... I've opposed every attempt to revive the failed Yucca Mountain project, and it's time we take this unsuitable site off the table once and for all, said Senator Masto of Nevada. Didn't even know the site was on the table. I didn't even think the table was in the room. I support, she says, Nevada's efforts to end the licensing process for Yucca Mountain. I'll continue to work with all stakeholders at the federal, state, local, and tribal levels to find a safe, workable, and consent-based alternative. So, as she says, so anybody who wants nuclear waste site, storage site for hundreds of thousands of years in their neighborhood, sign right up. The other senator from Nevada, Senator Jackie Rosen, called efforts to revive the project misguided and slammed the project as ill-conceived. There seems to be a thing in Nevada 
about Yucca Mountain. I'm just, I'm getting a vibe. Several ongoing safety concerns in New Mexico's biggest shipper of nuclear waste to uh, their storage facility, the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant near Carlsbad, New Mexico. Those safety concerns could impact operations as a federal oversight agency requested the lab update its guidelines and analyze environmental impacts. That's all. And wash their hands while they're at it. Nuclear experts pondering the safest way to decommission the three crippled reactors at Fuk in Japan have devised a new plan to recover highly radioactive debris at the site. Even anti-nuke campaigners are giving their that proposal their qualified support. It's qualified. They warn that the situation at the plant remains precarious more than a decade since three of the six reactors there suffered meltdowns. In their latest annual strategy report on progress at the plant, experts at the Nuclear Damage Compensation and Decommissioning Facilitation Office have finished working on the name of the office, finally, and they've now proposed that construction and filling with water of a massive concrete tank to completely enclose one of the reactor buildings. Again, they're going to build a tank and fill it with water to surround and enclose one of the nuclear buildings. The water would be to act as a shield to prevent radiation from escaping into the surrounding environment and give engineers more space. That's what they need, more space, in which to operate heavy equipment to dismantle and remove the outer shell of the reactor building. That, in turn, would permit experts to deploy robots to more closely examine the condition of the reactor as well as the fuel that has escaped and pooled in the building's basement levels. That's, that's where the nuclear fuel is now, in the basement. The plan was presented to the government in a meeting just south of the plant early this month. No radioactive materials would be swirling up underwater, so there would be almost zero impact on the outside, said the, the president of the company in charge of trying to get rid of the waste. He emphasized, however, the proposal was in the initial stages. No final decision had been taken. If it worked, however, then the same strategy could be deployed to help in the decommission of the other two damaged reactors. The gentleman in question, Mr. Yamana, said, I cannot say anything for sure yet. We're still in the very, very early stages of the concept study. That's two varies. There's still a lot of things to study, as the attempt would be the first of its kind in the world. The uh, Secretary General of the Tokyo-based Citizens Nuclear Information Center, he's a vocal critic of the Japanese government's insistence on the need for atomic energy, but he agreed that this plan appeared to offer a number of benefits for the decommissioning process, although no idea where that water would go. One guess, the Pacific Ocean. The work cannot go ahead without the water shield because it would expose workers to dangerously high levels of radiation. So this idea for the construction of a tank around one of the reactors is positive, he said. 
but that does not mean I'm not concerned. He uh, is resorting to double negatives to express himself. It'll be very difficult difficult to construct this tank to make sure it does not leak. Uh-huh. And it'll be very expensive and take more time. Another concern, constant worry since the uh, Fouke disaster is the possibility of another major earthquake or tsunami damaging the new tank and potentially exposing radioactive debris to the air. We've already seen what long-term exposure to salt water at the site does to metal and other materials. Well, that's sort of what happens when you build a nuclear plant near salt water, isn't it? That doesn't happen much. Wink, wink. If there was another major tremor, that could very easily affect the tank and even see it collapse, says the uh, gent from the Citizen Nuclear Information Center. To me, that's the biggest worry, he said. He also questioned why it had taken the Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO, decommissioning experts, the government and Japan's nuclear regulators, more than a decade to think up the tank. Well, they weren't in a think. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's likely that the delay will further extend the schedule and total cost of rendering the site safe, according to the German news medium Deutsche Welle. Government estimates put the cost of decommissioning at eight, well, no, sorry, $55.3 billion. That figure may increase if new complications crop up. Nah. The work will probably continue for another 30 years. A professor of science and technology policy at Tokyo University, Kazuto Suzuki, agreed the new approach to the decommissioning seems to be a good idea, but the problem will be in the execution. No, he means in carrying out the plan. I'm not an expert, but I can see problems with leaks. They've already experienced leaks from the tanks holding contaminated water at the site. That water escaping into the sea, he said. This is a really big issue for the people still living in the region. They have to be able to generate and guarantee a safe level of water within the tank surrounding the reactor. And one more source of concern, the stability of the ground that the tank will stand on due to the immense weight it will have to bear of both the um, nuclear building and, of course, the weight of the water. Don't wait on the water. Waiter. Clean, cheap, safe. Too safe to meter. It is our friend. Our very good friend, the Adam. Samsung has denied that hackers stole consumer data that included social security numbers. Samsung did announce a breach on Friday. 
Call them Samsung Blue. Thanks, Neil. The Korean technology giant published a notice ahead of the holiday weekend notifying customers, that was a holiday weekend in Japan, that their U.S.-based systems were hacked in late July. The company's security team discovered in August, on the 4th, that customer information was affected. They hired a cybersecurity firm in addition to contacting law enforcement. Samsung had specifically mentioned that the hack did not involve social security numbers or credit card and debit card numbers. That was in their first statement that alarmed some observers who questioned why the company had access to that kind of information at all. Then Samsung said it collects information like social security numbers, quote, to help deliver the best experience possible with our products and services, unquote. Didn't, to say that, didn't bother to say whether that was the best experience possible for their customers or for them, but, you know, they were in a hurry. The breach involved names, contact, and demographic information, date of birth, product registration information. The information depended, varied depending on the customer. The company began notifying affected customers about the issue last week. Didn't respond to questions about how many customers were affected. But uh, one day after the notice was published, a hacker on a dark web forum claimed to have stolen 190 gigabytes of data from Samsung. The uh, data are for sale on a dark web leak site. That is uh, according to a publication called The Record. Social security numbers, they claim, are in the breach. A Samsung spokesperson denied this is true. On social media, some customers questioned why the company waited one month to report the breach. The company didn't respond about that. TechCrunch reported the company updated its privacy policy to explicitly state the company can use a customer's geolocation for marketing and advertising purposes. Well, that's what counts, isn't it? In it? A new warning is being issued for anyone who uses wireless security cameras like Ring to protect their home. A Detroit woman said her Ring camera didn't capture the moment her car was stolen from in front of her house in Detroit. One, woman, uh, one local expert said it's because crooks are becoming more tech-savvy. Who would have thunk it? Earlier this month, the woman said her car was stolen from her driveway when she went to review her ring camera footage. She realized hours were missing. Chris Burns, the owner of Techie Gurus, consulted by WXYZ-TV in Detroit, said security cameras that use Wi-Fi to record are more about convenience than security because Wi-Fi can easily be disrupted, preventing the camera from capturing who's around your home. The criminals are catching on to that. If you're relying on wireless as a security thing, you're looking at it wrong, Chris Burns said. Wireless signals are easy to jam or block. So crooks can use this as a Wi-Fi jamming, use a Wi-Fi jamming device. Or a de-author size of an Apple Watch, which will overwhelm a Wi-Fi system, forcing the Wi-Fi camera 
to stop recording if you stand close enough. Accessory costs under $50. A jammer, a little more expensive. They're also highly illegal, so jammers are more difficult to find, but a powerful jammer can prevent an entire street from recording on Wi-Fi. Security cameras with the switch of a button. Spokesperson from Ring said, like any web uh, Wi-Fi-enabled device, Wi-Fi signal interference may affect Ring device performance. For true security, Burns says it should always be hardwired. It should always be plugged into Ethernet or something like that. Spokesperson for Ring said they're aware of the problem, but it's rare. Well, so is theft. Burns said as technology gets cheaper... It's likely jammers will become more popular. Yes, I know, we all like jamming. Du Quan, sorry, Do Quan, is the founder of a troubled cryptocurrency company, Terraform Labs, and he's a wanted man in Korea. Over the weekend, he got on Twitter to deny that he's on the run and claim that he's fully cooperating with authorities, probing the crypto collapse in which he had a hand. It's in response to statements reportedly issued the weekend by the Singapore police. They claim he's left the city state where he resided and where Terraform Labs was headquartered. That came after South Korea last week issued a warrant for his arrest, alleging Kwan and five others had violated the nation's capital markets law. In his tweet, he said, I am not on the run or anything similar. We're in full cooperation. We don't have anything to hide. We're in the process of defending ourselves in multiple jurisdictions. Prosecutors say they're in the process of locating and apprehending Kwan, who allegedly didn't cooperate with the investigations, according to the British Tech Journal of Register, but conveyed through his lawyer that he intended to appear not to appear for questioning. The not is important, I think, in that sentence. He called the timing of Terraform Labs leaving South Korea purely coincidental. Local media reported it was a clo- the closure was to minimize taxes. He says taxes were paid in full. But he did preside over the May crash of the stable coin he devised. That incident saw crypto coin asset values plunge, leading to what has been called crypto winter. The stablecoin was supposedly uncrashable. Its value was pegged on the U.S. dollar. That assertion ended up being far from the truth. Investors lost huge sums of money. And Compute North, one of the largest operators of crypto mining data centers, has sought Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection according to documents filed with U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Southern District, Texas. The company only last February said it raised $385 million in capital. Crypto miners are struggling to survive amid slumping Bitcoin prices, rising power costs, and record difficulty in mining Bitcoin. And Coindesk says, in an understatement, bankruptcy filing is likely to have negative implications for the industry.
It's a smart world, getting smarter all the time. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru in Lama Land, there's a one-man band and he'll toot his flute for you. Come fly with me, let's take off in the blue. Once I get you up there where the air is rarefied, we'll just fly starry-eyed. Once I get you up there, I'll be holding you so near. You may hear angels cheer, cause we're together. Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day. Just say the words and we'll beat the birds down to Acapulco Bay. Perfect for a flying honeymoon, they say. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near You may hear angels cheer Cause we're together Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day You just say the words and we'll beat the birds Down to Acapulco Bay It's perfect for a flying honeymoon They say, come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly Pack up, let's fly away Ladies and gentlemen, here on the show, we every once in a while like to uh, check in with the Chicago Board of Trade, see what the pork belly trades are. Lo- what? Re- okay. Now, all right. ladies and gentlemen, a um, little change in plans. Um, this doesn't happen all this often here on the show, especially these days, but uh, we're having an uh, incoming call on the newsmaker line that uh, I'm being told we should... Uh, get to right away so um hello you're on the show yeah uh, listen harry mm-hmm. uh this is uh donald 
Done. Donald Trump. I uh, really. I, I called in uh, several times to your show before I was president. No, I remember that. And now uh, I'm still president, and I'm calling into your show because uh, I'm, I understand that uh, you know I was on uh, Sean Hannity this week. Yes. And uh, you know it's Fox News, which mm-hmm. I'm uh, not that hot about these days. But well, Sean's a good friend. Uh-huh. But he can't uh, do things that they don't allow, and so we only we had less than an hour. Uh-huh. And I know you're on uh, the public. Public, not 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 republic. No, but uh, Repub- public, public radio. Public radio, and you've got all the time uh, that you want. So well, I have uh, things that I need to say and have the American public understand. And so, uh, great to be on with you. Uh, all right, thank you, sir. Um, we don't have all the time in the world. <laughs> But, well, nobody does. But, yeah. uh, okay. Um, I w- so uh, let, I guess uh, I'll I'll start with a question. Um, Great. You uh, you got a lawsuit filed against you this week by the New York State Attorney General Letitia James, yep. alleging that uh, all sorts of uh, funny uh, valuations were uh, placed on your your various properties and yep. investments, depending on whether. You were talking to the tax people or to the banks just the looking for uh, loans. Ridiculous thing. And, um, just the most ridiculous thing. Hmm. You know, she's, she's hated me for years. I don't know why she hates Trump, but she's hated me for years. And she doesn't understand the first thing. I mean, number one, about how I run my businesses, which is, well, you know, yeah. I, I, I was president. Yes. I was president of the United States for four years. Of Did course. you think I was sitting down and writing out valuations in, in the Oval Office at the Resolute Desk? <laughs> I mean, this woman is thinking like, I don't understand. But here is the thing you have to understand. I have three grown children mm-hmm. who were executive vice presidents of the Trump organization. Well, that that means they were executive vice presidents of the Trump organization. Uh-huh. So they were the people who, when somebody comes in looking to have something signed right. or notated or something, mm-hmm. they didn't come to me. Ah. They came to one of my three grown children, mm-hmm. and they did a great job. But unfortunately, there were things that they didn't quite understand about the world of business because they didn't grow up in it. Ah. I grew up in the world of business. My dad was a businessman. Mm-hmm. My father was a very a great businessman mm-hmm. and taught me so much about the business and these uh, kids you know they went to school they went to college they uh, learned different things learned great things but they didn't learn that much about business so you, are you <laughs> suggesting sir that the Letitia James lawsuit should just have been filed against your children and, and not you sir the way you learn about business is you do it. Mm. And so I put them in positions where when something came in and it needed a signature or it needed a number or it needed something, they were on the spot. They were the responsible parties whose signatures appear on the documents. And it was they who authorized if there was a a value of uh, so many millions of dollars uh, to 40 Wall Street or it's at uh, Mar-a-Lago or one of the fabulous properties that I own, which is maybe the best collection of uh, properties on the face of the planet, uh, as well as Earth itself. They were the ones who made those decisions. That's how they learned how to be the business people that they are today. You know, Eric has run the hotel business mm, yes. in the Trump organization. Now, yes. ever since I t- came down the staircase, that basically which- was the the best, the first ad for that hotel was coming down the staircase, and sure. he took over and uh, done a wonderful job. The weekend plans are just something else, and so 
What it sounds like, sir, is that you're kind of putting your own children under the bus. There's no bus. Oh. There's no bus. Um, uh, there never was a bus. Well, this is purely a matter of these are numbers. They, they're the numbers on pages, and who was was that knew about them, and who it was that uh, signed them or wrote their name or initials. Or, I was the president. Yes. I was. I could do anything. Right. Why would I spend time? filling out those forms when I could go declassify a whole bunch of documents, well, which I did, by the way. Yeah. That's something that I, I, maybe we don't understand, oh. is that I just, I just thought these are declassified, and they were. That's all it took. So if I could have done the same thing with these uh, documents, if I could have just thought of here's the, here's the value, yes. then I would have done that sure. because I was president. Right. But uh, apparently that's not good enough for these people. You know, the the uh, archives people mm-hmm. or the... Uh, well, FBI people. There's nothing good enough for the FBI. These are very corrupt people. But uh, Ivanka was on duty at Mar-a-Lago that day when the FBI came. I don't think she was at the house herself, uh-huh. but I think she was in telephone contact with uh, the people on the ground. And uh, you have to ask Ivanka about what the FBI did. She told me, yeah. she told me in, in very clear words that Mm -hmm. uh, they took these boxes and they didn't allow anybody to uh, even be in the same building with them so how could you know what they were doing and and uh, now okay okay so that's Ivanka were neither uh, Eric nor Don Jr. there they were running my business Mm. that's what they were doing Mm -hmm. they were in New York or wherever they were but they were running my business and that's why this lawsuit has nothing to do with me this is about and I, I say, you know, I'm, I support them. I love them. I will be uh, there for them. I'll be a witness for them if they, if they want me to. And if they don't want me to, I'll be glad to sit at home. But uh, I support them 158 percent. So um, are you anticipating that uh, this will proceed to a trial and that, I, and that uh, your children will be um, the, the, the key Accused? I don't. I have no way to look into the mind of someone like Letitia James because she's uh, out of space whack job. Mm. I I love, as I say, my kids. Sure. They're grown ups. Mm-hmm. They're adults. Mm-hmm. They know how to handle themselves. I wish them the best of luck, and uh, they have to hope, hopefully hire very, very, very good legal performers and and people with excellent legal minds i can suggest a few mm-hmm. and then uh, it's up to them all right it sounds it sounds like you're sort of cutting them loose no there's no cutting well this, they, they are loose they're mm-hmm. grown-ups that they can take care of themselves with some great legal talent at mm-hmm. their sides mm-hmm. i'm sure that they're going to do uh, just wonderfully well and Letitia James is going to be very sorry that uh, she tangled with this these three fine individuals all right, uh, President Trump, uh, ex-President Trump. I have to uh, uh, sort of negate what you were assuming at the beginning. We don't have all the time in the world, I, I knew that. and um, I have to move on. But yeah. thank you for uh, calling our newsmaker line. You know the number. The American people are very angry about this. I think you you you've seen it. Uh, where if you go out at night, well, I, uh, I I've don't. seen it at my rallies, mm-hmm. and people at my rallies say they understand that uh, these kids were trying their best, mm-hmm. but may just may have made uh, a mistake or two. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, a witch hunt is a witch hunt, no matter who the witch is, who's doing the hunting. And I just thought that people had to know that. Good point to end on. Donald Trump on our Newsmaker line. And the show continues. 
with news of me reading the trades for you. That's what the news is. I'm going to read the trades for you. Holiday marketing is a record early start, says Advertising Age. I'll read it for you. The leaves have yet to turn, but retailers have already turned on the holiday marketing spigot. This week, both Target and Walmart made sweeping holiday announcements, touting their low-priced merchandise and convenient shopping options for cost-conscious customers. Target began three days of discounts and promotions. It's going to begin it October 6th, four days earlier than last year. Walmart noted that more than half of its customers, quote, will start their holiday shopping research in October. And Walmart is prepared to meet their needs. The Christmas creep is certainly earlier than ever, and it's arriving ahead of a holiday season that retail experts expect to be like no other. Brands are promoting their products against the backdrop of rising prices and consumer fears of a recession. Many stores avoided discounting last year because of supply chain issues. Now, excess inventory this year could lead to deeper discounts. In addition, plenty of consumers are still making up for lost time due to the pandemic, spending on travel and dining experiences. Potentially at the expense of apparel and other items. This year, you'll see deeper discounts, said Katie Thomas of the Kearney Consumer Institute. Last year, companies reeled it in because of supply chain issues. They could get away with discounting less, unquote. Industry predictions for holiday sales this year are more tempered compared to the last few years. Deloitte recently forecast retail sales to increase 4 to 6 percent compared to a 15.1 percent gain in the same period last year. Experts say retailers will be in a more promotional mindset in their messaging. They'll focus on price and drive home value. Marketing for many chains might be focusing on their own private label brands since such products will deliver greater margins for retailers. Send the president and founder of retail consultancy, Sageberry Consulting. When you get to an environment where consumers are more price conscious, that tends to shift to stronger value messaging, he said. Now, along with promoting deeper savings, Walmart is focusing on convenience for time-strapped customers, offering an extended holiday return policy for its items. Purchase, purchases made on or after October 1st can be returned through the end of January, Walmart announced this week.
Christmas marketing earlier than ever. The good news when I read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, the apologies of the week. San Diego City Council rescinded this week a resolution it had passed 80 years ago in support of the incarceration of Japanese Americans in prison camps during World War II. Yes, that happened. Ask your mom and dad. Council members called the camps and the council's 1942 resolution supporting them racist, unjust, and a form of hate. In addition to rescinding the 1942 resolution, the council approved an apology to Japanese Americans for the impact of the camps. It is incredibly important that we identify the racist acts of the past and the injustices of the past and address them head on, said the council president. We can acknowledge the wrong that this city committed. Unquote. Leaders of the local Japanese American community praised the council's move noting how people who went to the camps lost their property, their opportunities for education, and their dignity. There's more than 120,000 people of Japanese ancestry went through that and sent to uh, forcibly relocated to 10 prison camps in the western U.S. and Arkansas. <laughs> and lest you wonder, in 1944, the Supreme Court upheld the legality of their incarceration. It finally repudiated, repudiated that opinion four years ago. Dainline Hollywood. Well, I made it. It took 50 years. That was a comment of Native American actor and activist Sasheen Littlefeather during a ceremony in her honor set up by the Motion Picture Academy. She was booed off the stage during the 1973 Oscars, where she declined an award on behalf of Marlon Brando, who was protesting the film industry's mistreatment of Native Americans. But now, 75-year-old Littlefeather was honored by the same institution. During the event at the Academy Museum, she took the stage amid thunderous applause. The event was streamed on the museum's YouTube page and featured five, sorry, live Native American performances. John Wayne, who was backstage at the time that uh, Brando asked Littlefeather to reject his award, was reportedly furious with a number of witnesses describing how he needed to be restrained at uh, the Academy ceremony this past week, Little Feather said that Wayne, quote, was ready to attack me. He had to be held back by six security guards. And in the decades after the incident, Little Feather was mocked, discriminated against, and personally attacked for her brief appearance at the Oscars. And her career took a nosedive amid an industry-wide boycott. The, uh, 
Academy had a letter of apology read out during the most recent event. I'm accepting this apology not only for me alone, said Littlefeather, but an acknowledgement not only for me, but for all our nation. Our nation needs to hear this apology. I hope they were listening. To this show, the artist formerly known as Kanye West now goes by Yee. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I don't think you just need to hear that. He shared a message, shared, made public a message for his ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, during an interview on Good Morning America. He says he's sorry for any stress he's caused. This is the mother of my children, and I apologize for any stress that I've caused, even in my frustration, because God calls me to be stronger. But also, ain't nobody else needs to be causing no stress either. I need this person to be least stressed and at best sound mind and as calm as possible to be able to raise these children. Unquote. Kim Kardashian filed for divorce from Yee a few months ago. February, as a matter of fact. Dayline St. Louis, leaders with St. Louis Realtors, which is trademarked, all caps, issued a statement this week apologizing for decades of discrimination against the black community. In their release, the group said numerous historical events, laws, decisions, and initiatives reflect a history of explicit racial segregation and discrimination. We apologize for all of these actions, unquote. Redlining, restrictive covenants in the early 1900s were designed to cause residential racial segregation that's what led to the black and white divide in the St. Louis region, according to local TV station KMOV-TV. K-Move! The group said their apology isn't based on new revelations. Rather, it is based on the realization that we cannot move forward together as a community until there's acknowledgement of our regrettable past. Our hope is this acknowledgement will start the healing process, enabling us to emerge stronger and united in our journey to lay a new inclusive foundation for growth and prosperity, unquote. The group created a three-year plan called Reimagining St. Louis, hired a diversity, equity, and inclusion director to help implement it. It includes initiatives to increase awareness and education, push for changes in legislation, and create a land bank for vacant lots. Maybe that'll help. It's not their statement, but sort of is the the message there. Tom Brady, football legend, is taking responsibility for his actions. The Buccaneers quarterback is apologizing for his behavior during a game this past week between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints, where he was spotted throwing a tablet on the sidelines. I don't think they mean a pill. I think they mean, you know iPad or something like that. In a video posted to Twitter, Brady responded to the incident, nothing, noting that both the highs and the ugly moments count too. Sorry for breaking that tablet, he said. I think that's going to be another Twitter meme or something like that. Brady's frustration unfolded in the second half of the game, and after a kickoff, he was seen yelling at his teammates and throwing his helmet on the ground. But, yes, his helmet was unbreakable. A riot erupted at Vancouver's Breakout Festival 
last Sunday after it was announced that headliner Lil Baby would not be performing. According to festival organizers, the rapper canceled his performance because he was too sick to perform. Videos posted on social media show festival goers destroying tents, throwing garbage, and breaking equipment. I wouldn't want to perform before that crowd either. Following announcement that the headliner at Breakout Festival would not be performing, fans turned their disappointment into anger, said festival organizers, describing significant damage to the amphitheater and parts of the surrounding park. This time, our first priority is for the safety and well-being of our staff. As many were deeply affected by the reaction of guests and behavior that ensued, little baby got on Instagram to apologize to fans, saying he was too exhausted to perform. I've been going so hard these past few months without any breaks it finally caught up with me. My body completely shut down. I owe you guys big time and will for sure make up for it soon. Don't riot then. No, he didn't say that. That was me. And the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety is apologizing on behalf of law enforcement for the botched response to the elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, Texas. They claimed 21 lives a few months ago. Moments after his apology came an unexpected promise from Colonel Steve McCraw. He said that Uvalde would become the safest city in Texas in two months after his agency sends DPS troopers in to aid Uvalde police with the uh, crime situation. He's previously blamed Uvalde police for the abject failure of the law enforcement's enforcement response. He apologized to families impacted by the shooting said the response violated all the principles supposedly learned by law enforcement. Apologies in the week. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. We've been told for years natural gas is the bridge to renewables, to our uh, fossil-free future, to alliterate on your your ears this uh, this day. Now comes news about natural gas. It's not so reassuring. Natural gas transported by interstate pipelines, which is the way most of it gets somewhere, contains hazardous air pollutants and known human carcinogens. It's according to a first-of-its-kind study published in Environmental Research Letters by res- researchers at a nonprofit institute, PSE Healthy Energy. Here in the U.S., interstate transmission pipelines that transport natural gas release significant quantities of unburned gas during routine operations, as well as unintentional leaks through blowouts, pardon the expression. In 2020 alone, the EPA estimated that natural gas transmission infrastructure leaked over 1.4 million tons of methane, potent greenhouse gas, as you know. Despite this, no previous analysis has evaluated whether the gas in this system contains hazardous air pollutants. Interstate natural gas pipelines are critical energy infrastructure that's normally off limits to researchers, says the study's leading author an environmental health scientist, 
board-certified pediatrician to boot. This is the first study to investigate the chemicals moving through our nation's vast natural gas transmission network. Our results indicate that there are surprising levels of harmful air pollutants and carcinogens creating potential health risks if gas leaks into nearby communities. Using industry-reported data submitted to the feds, these scientists have calculated the concentrations of hazardous air pollutants in the pipelines. They found benzene, toluene, ethylbenzene, and xylene, and hexane, reported in nearly all filings that disclosed hazardous air pollutant data. Industry reports also included other health-damaging compounds, your mercury, your radon, your hydrogen sulfide. Concentrations of these chemicals varied. Some were health-relevant. In the case of benzene, concentrations were reported as high as 299 parts per million. That's 30,000 times the short-term exposure level considered low risk by California's EPA. Many of the chemicals reported are known to cause neurodevelopment impairments, lung cancer, leukemia, and respiratory illness, is all. Quote, we know the natural gas transmission infrastructure is responsible for methane emissions that damage the climate. This new study indicates that these leaks may also contain chemicals that are dangerous for human health, said uh, the executive director of the agency, PSE Healthy Energy. Stopping natural gas leaks is critical for the climate and to protect the health of our communities, he said. All right, then. Some bridge. That's all I can say. No, I can say more. Climate change threatens the health and survival of urban trees, with more than half of species already feeling heat, according to a new study from the B- uh, reported by the BBC. City-dwelling oaks, maples, poplars, elms, pines, and chestnuts are more than 1,000 tree species flagged at risk due to climate change. Scientists uh, are looking for better protection of existing trees and for drought-resistant varieties to be planted since trees have cooling effects and provide shade, except for palm trees. Uh, So cities are more livable with trees. Many trees in urban areas are already stressed because of climate change as it gets warmer and drier. The number of species at potential risk will increase, says a scientist at Western Sydney University in Australia. So, um, Let's try to protect the trees, shall we? That's news of the warm, didn't you? Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. Capital I, capital T for this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice, whatever you want. And it'll be just like protecting the trees 
if you'd agree to join me, with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, Chapeau to the San Diego desk. To Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for his help, for their help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program. The playlist of the music here on and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Get them while they last. All at harryshear.com. And there's so much more there. Stuff to read, stuff to listen to, stuff to watch, and stuff to ignore. And me, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO, New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.